The views expressed on this podcast are those of the participants, not of Reuters News. One of the key questions we are constantly facing is who will pay the hundreds of billions for the recovery? First and foremost, Russia must pay for what it has destroyed. That was Ukraine's Prime Minister, Denis Shmihal, speaking this week at the opening of the Ukraine Recovery Conference in London. The question of how to rebuild the war-torn country after Russia's invasion, when to start, and who will foot the bill, is the subject of this week's Newsroom. Welcome back to The Viewsroom, a podcast from Reuters Breaking Views, where columnists from around the world talk about the big stories of the week. I'm your host, Peter Tharlarsen, standing in this week for Amy Donnell. The World Bank earlier this year estimated the cost of rebuilding Ukraine at $411 billion, and that figure is rising by the day. Just one example, the destruction of Ukraine's Akhova Dam earlier this month, which led to widespread flooding, caused more than a billion dollars in damages, the government reckons. Governments are chipping in. The European Union has offered another 50 billion euros in support, and the United States and others are also helping out. But officials and financiers in London are also debating ways to unlock private capital to help fund the reconstruction, while insisting on sending Russia the final bill. Here to talk to me about the reconstruction efforts is Breaking Views columnist Pierre Briançon. Pierre Briançon, welcome to the Views Room. Thank you. Um, so we're here this week with a Ukraine recovery conference going on uh uh, across the river in Greenwich from us. Um, you were you were at the conference today. Uh, you'll be there again tomorrow. Um, I think some people might look at this and say, isn't it a little bit early to be talking about recovery when the missiles are still flying into Kiev and, and the Russians and the Ukrainians are fighting bitterly over, over territory in the east? The question of when the recovery can start was definitely uh, at, not at the core, but, but definitely mentioned several times because uh, Ukraine is pushing, of course, for the effort to start right now. They even say the size doesn't matter, but please do start now, if only to send a message. That, and but of course, considering that a third, little third of the country is under uh, little fourth of the country is under Russian occupation, that cannot start there. However, a lot of things, a lot of investment, a lot of reconstruction can happen in the western part of Ukraine and has already happened. Because when we talk about this, we forgot, we, we tend to forget that Ukraine is rebuilding constantly. I mean, the, 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 the electric grid was totally, uh, was, was uh, almost destroyed in, in, in October and November, and they kept rebuilding the power stations, etc. as they were, they keep rebuilding bridges as the Russians are destroying them. And it's actually pretty striking when you go to Kiev, when you, we see the, the amount of energy and mobilization of the forces uh, to just to do that and to do that almost in real time. And they're very keen on doing that. And so obviously they do need money, they do need help because this is a government that is surviving thanks to the, the, the help of its allies. Uh, it could not otherwise. Uh, 
but talking about the you're talking about the, the length of time and how long it will take that the effort what i was struck by during all the talks and all the speeches because this is a sentence that i hadn't heard before and that was said by several ministers uh, government officials um multinational organization uh, heads and the sentence is we are here we will be here as long as it takes like a paraphrase of the the old and famous uh, sentence used in central banking uh, uh, 10 years ago by Mario Draghi but everyone said that we're here as long as it takes so i think ukraine can at least well first get from that from the, that meeting the very reassuring political uh, feeling that this will not pass i mean and and you, there will not at least western governments are not yeah. seeing Ukraine fatigue among their population. They wouldn't say yeah. uh, such sentences if they weren't sure that they can say them. So you, you, you've paid, you've been covering this story very closely from a sort of economic and financial point of view. You were in Kiev for a week, uh, a couple of months ago, I think, uh, talking to, to finance ministers and central bankers and so forth. Um, but I guess I just sort of wonder about, what we're thinking about the the numbers, right? I mean, there's this World Bank estimate that it's going to cost $410 billion uh, to rebuild Ukraine. That's already out of date. The, the blowing up of this uh, uh, of, the, of this dam, the Kokorov dam, adds to that number already. The number keeps going up. And there seems to be a sort of question about how much of that money is going to have to come from governments or, or multilateral bodies, and how much of it can come from the private sector. What is the what is the what are the things that need to happen to try and unlock private capital? First, there are two sorts of private capital. Let's take let's stay with the 411 billion number, which is for March. And of course, as you said, every week adds to the, the, the that number. The International Finance Corporation, which is a World Bank body specialized in dealing with the private sector, estimates that about a third of the amount can come from the Ukrainian private sector. Okay, let's remember this. This was this was not a Soviet-style economy or whatever, because it has been a more or less more or less market economy for uh, 30 years now. So the private sector is important. There, there, there is wealth, there is capital uh, mass, and so they could take up up to a third of that. If you add uh, what the international private sector from Europe, U.S corporations can do what 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 investors could do eventually what industrial companies uh, uh th this probably amounts to more than half that, that that amount altogether private sector now the question is how do you convince them to do that one thing is to say uh, it's, it would be good uh, that was another very strong point of that meeting is that we need to uh, uh, mobilize private capital together, of course, with public money in order to uh, serve as, as, a, as a stimulus tool. Uh, but uh, then how do you do that? And it's hard to attract investors in a country at war. You definitely do not get investors for the eastern part of the country, which is being bombed or occupied by Russia. So forget about that part. On the other hand, the rest of the country is still at, at, at threatened by either a total victory by Russia. I mean, you can speculate on all the doomsday uh, scenarios uh, possible here. And so one of the scenarios would be to try to set up a, a kind of a war insurance mechanism whereby private insurance, insurers, Western private insurers would be incentivized 
by public money, public guarantees, bodies, depending from the World Bank, which which actually currently do that, in, uh, and would be pretty much insured against war risk. So what does that what does that mean? That means you would you would make an investment in a I don't know a power plant or something. In like a power that. plant, in a factory, yeah. in a, you, you can buy a bond. You can you can you can uh, take take a uh, take uh, shares in a, in an industrial company, and and your investment is ruined because either the, the area is destroyed or because the, the factory is is being bombed or. Uh, uh, a company cannot repay its loans because of the war situation, and then um, what I found. So then you're, you, you as the investor, would then be insured against yeah. that loss. Yeah, right. Uh, what I found interesting is that in such a case, uh, the body that insures the, the which, whichever uh, assets are there. Uh, then get gets a claim on the offending party or the attacking party, i.e. Russia. And so, you know, we've talked a lot, and they have talked a lot during this meeting about how to make Russia pay. But when you think about it, and, and the, the whole question, they are political legal questions. The legal, the legal question itself is hard to solve, and no one has yet really uh, uh, found the right way to do this legally. One way to do that would be to, once this is all over, to hold Russia responsible for all the insured damages that Western companies had to pay. That's what, that would be one legal way to do that, possibly down the road. Okay, well, that's quite a quite a long shot commercially. Quite, quite a long shot. Yeah, <laughs> so we're going actually, to get Russia to reinsure. All no, I'll, I'll give you an example because it happened. It happened actually a few weeks ago. Uh, Ukraine's second largest bank, Oshad, after a long legal process in courts. And don't ask me why French courts ultimately adjudicated this one. But the, the French's highest court awarded Oshad $1 billion, which now they have to claim from Russia, which is another story altogether, for destroying all the branches of the bank in the Eastern uh, Territory. It was a bank that was focused on the eastern part of the country, and so of course they have a lot of activity. Yeah. And after again, after a long process, they finally, because it dates back to before the second invasion, and they got uh, uh, and, and Russia cannot appeal, and so this is a, a ruling that stands. Now, of course, you have to recoup the money, which is, as you say, down the road. Actually, there must be a few yachts or something somewhere that they can uh, they can seize, but um, <laughs> that would be interesting. Um, I mean, one of the things that comes up in the discussion about about reconstruction is is not just the the scale of the investment. Um, uh, you know, I think the what is it? The four hundred and eleven million is yep. eleven billion is is two and a half times GDP or something yep. like that. So it's 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 a big amount of money for that economy. Um, uh, and where the money is going to come from, but there's also a question about whether you can really rely on the money being spent responsibly. Ukraine had a a problem, big problem with corruption before the war, um, and there is definitely people express some concern that that would still be a problem now, particularly with all this money going in and private sector and so forth. What what can or should Ukraine do to, to, to sort of ease those concerns? First of all, they are the first ones to agree that that this is a serious problem. The current government of President Zelensky would add, and his minister would tend to add, there's a huge perception of corruption in 
which is a bit bigger than the actual corruption happening in the country because they have done reforms already. They have reformed tremendously. They have to, to, the, the, the financial sector, the banking sector has been cleaned pretty much. And one of the things that I realized when I went there was that those reforms actually started a long time ago. And one of the reasons that the, the financial system the, and, and, and the Ukrainian economy has shrunk by a third last two years, last year, of course, but has held together is that these reforms were in the pipeline. Some of them had already been implemented. The cleaning up of the banking system happened in 2015, 2016. So, and for Ukraine, the real war started in 2014 when Russia invaded. And since then, they have been oriented towards Europe, taking the steps they needed to get closer to Europe. So applying, for example, in banking system, the uh, European style of regulations or try, trying to. So they've done a lot. They know much remains to be done. For example, a reform of the court system with judges both, well, it's not incompatible, but uh, lowly paid with low salaries and, and corrupt and trained and, 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 and educated during the Soviet years, mm -hmm. for, at least for the higher echelons of the judicial system. This is a problem that everyone acknowledges. And so, yes, people and the Ukrainians themselves are asking for some help from outside donors to help to make sure that all that that bonanza if it ever if it ever reaches the country is not wasted and then there's no uh, uh, leakage if you want in the in the in the in the, in the system the european union has in for ukraine to get into the european union they had to follow straight path of reforms seven stages which is again and they are pretty happy that the eu will help them get there and the IMF, as part of the 15, 16 billion dollars package they agreed on a couple of months ago, ha has also has pretty strict roadmap on what they should do in terms of economic reforms. And one of the key is governance. And I think they are they're not there yet, but they're making steps towards trying to address that issue. Yeah, I see. So this, this conference is still going on this week. Um, as we're as we're recording this, the conference is still going on. What what do you think? What would success look like for, for the participants, I guess, particularly for Ukraine from this conference? I think Ukraine gets away with uh, first new money from the, from Europe. The European Union yesterday announced a 50 billion euro package over the next uh, four years, which is quite significant. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, European, uh, the U Europe, the US, Japan and Europe allies are currently have taken care of, your, of, of Ukraine's budgetary needs for, for this year. Now they address the 20, 24 to 27 uh, areas. They're looking forward to do that. Uh, I think that will be, I mean, that will go a long way to, uh, it takes you know, about 50, 40 to 50% of Ukraine's needs over the same, the same four years. So the rest will come, as we talked about, from the private sector, from the US, of course, which is also a big donor, mm -hmm. and from uh, Japan and other countries. So they're on track to get what they need for the for the next four years, even before we start. And part of that money will be used for partial and early reconstruction, where it is possible. But even before we talk about that, at least they, they have much more visibility on the next four years. And the, commit, the political commitment I was talking about, as long as it takes, which means something when you were uh, a war, uh, a country at war worried about how solid the alliance may be and how long your allies will be will stick with you yes well yes may depend a little bit on 
the identity of the person in the White House. But um, um, yes, I was talking to for Europe exactly. There's, yeah. a, I mean, uh, we, uh, there's not a matter altogether. There's a huge worry, of course, about the, the next presidential election, and part of the reason. Ukraine had been planning an, a counter-offensive so early was to be able to take positions before the, the president, US presidential campaign starts in earnest. Interesting. Fascinating, Pierre. Uh, that was really interesting, comprehensive. Thank you for taking the time. And Thank uh, you for having we, me. Will, um, we will follow the reconstruction efforts of Ukraine with interest. That's all for this week. Thank you for tuning in and many thanks to my colleague Oliver Tasik in London who produced this podcast. You can find more episodes of The Views Room on Apple or other your other favourite podcast app. But you will also find our sister podcast, The Exchange. And don't forget to check out our view every day at breakingviews.com or on Twitter where our handle is at breakingviews. I'm Kim Vanell. Join me every morning for a roundup of what's happening at home and around the world. From the front line in Ukraine. Extraordinary how these people adjust and uh, even laugh when you take cover. To the heart of US politics. When Trump said that he expected to be arrested, it seems like he was trying to get ahead of the story. We bring you everything you need to know in 10 minutes. For your essential daily briefing, follow Reuters World News wherever you get your podcasts.